Mac Power Users, Episode 520, Weather Apps and Gear. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. I'm Stephen Hackett and I'm joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Hello, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Good to talk to you. Yeah, I saw I saw some pictures. Uh, my my partner Mike Curley was in your neck of the woods, and you guys did uh, you did the Star Wars land and saw Disney, and I saw a bunch of pictures, and I was super sad and had FOMO that I wasn't there. So I just wanted to share that. I want to tell you that Mike and Adina were troopers because we took them to Disneyland. They'd never been there before. We ran them so hard. We were there, I think, sixteen hours. Whoa. We did something like, I think, more than 13 rides in two parks. I mean, <laughs> he told me the next day he had a Disneyland hangover. But yeah. He had a good time. He had a good time. But you, he, they got their experience. You're like, if you're going to go, right, you might as well just do it. We got them in the new ride on the day it premiered, the day it opened. So That's awesome. Yeah. It was great. And we had so much fun. And, uh, you know. All the Relay family, every time we spend time together, we all have a good time. That's true. Next day, we took him to the beach so he could relax. <laughs> Unwind after a stressful day in a Disney park. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to call it stressful. We had a good time. but, a, but busy, I had, a busy day. A busy day. Yeah. Normally, when I take friends to Disneyland, it's not that that fast. We don't mm-hmm. run that hard. But it just because they had one day and they're going all the way back to the merry old England, I, I just felt like we got to get we got to get them into all this stuff. Yeah. No good. I'm glad. I'm glad y'all did it that way. So, anyway, the weather was great that day. Oh, is that a transition into the topic? I think so. Oh, that's good. So we yeah, are no. we are going to talk about uh, weather apps today. This has been on the list for uh, a little while. We've gone through. There's a screenshot in the show notes of like I don't know, like over a dozen weather apps on my phone where we were testing these uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, but before we get to the, sort of the the apps that we're going to talk about and we're going to kind of pick our favorite at the end, we need to address something, David. Uh, it's that, you know, people in your part of California make a joke that you don't really have weather. And, you know, I feel like if you need to address that before we do the episode on weather apps, now is probably the time. Yeah, I know. Somebody uh, once commented that I didn't have the weather um, widget on my on my phone. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, my watch. It's like, where's the weather complication? I'm like, why would I waste a complication <laughs> slot on the weather? Right. Yeah. I, I know that's a big deal in most places. Although I will say it's changing. I mean, we get very excited when it rains here. So having weather apps tell us when it's going to rain is is a source of joy. Um, but the uh, but yeah, you're right. Southern California, the weather's about the same uh, all year with some some variants. But so so weather isn't as big of a deal here. But I love weather apps because they are like the user interface playground of iOS. I mean, mm-hmm. they're all using the kind of the same source of data, but everybody has different ways of presenting it. And I, I really do. I have to admit, I just love weather apps. Yeah, I was really surprised in looking at these apps, how different some of them are from each other. And, you know, we're going to get into the list. Several are, are kind of similar, but there's a there's a lot of flexibility and freedom in how developers kind of show this information. Uh, but for me, where I live, sort of here in like the middle south of the country, uh, weather is a big deal. We have, we can have severe weather, we can have tornadoes. In fact, I have a story about a tornado that I wanted to share. And I may have shared this on the air somewhere else before. So if you've heard it before, forgive me, but it came to mind in prepping this. 
when I was in high school, I think a lot of people know I was editor of my high school newspaper. So I wasn't the coolest kid in my high school. I wasn't the least cool kid, but I definitely wasn't the coolest. And some friends of mine, we all started uh, like a weather website where we were going to like talk about the weather. It was basically just a blog, right? Just like talking about the weather and Several of us went through what is called the Skywarn program. I'll put a link in the show notes if people aren't familiar with that. And and basically, it's like civilian training for weather spotting. And we thought, oh, cool. Like, we will be, um, you know, sort of like know what we're talking about. And you learn about the different clouds, formations, the different, you know, what does high pressure mean? What does low pressure mean? All that stuff. And so... We felt like after, you know, basically a weekend of this, that we were like, we knew what we were doing. And you, we did, you knew your cumulonimbus. That's I mean, right. And I yeah. knew, you know, we kind of knew what to look for. We were basically experts at this point. And uh, so we decided one weekend, it was supposed to be kind of bad weather. We were going to go out to the country, like out in the, the next county over. It's all farmland as far as you can see. And we were going to go camping and, you know, if some bad weather happened, we would get to use our skills, right? What we did not anticipate was it was one of those evenings where a tornado ripped through the south. And we we were 16. This is before iPhones. Like, we don't have smartphones. Like, someone's parents called one of us and like, hey, there's bad weather in y'all's area. You need to find shelter, right? And so we were on the back of, like, my friend's Tahoe uh, and we pulled behind this like closed down gas station, like in the middle of the country, there's no one around. Yeah. And we, so we pulled behind this and like, it is like all, you know, heck is breaking loose. Like it is really scary outside. We yeah. pull it behind the, like, right. He gets the truck right next to this concrete building for shelter. We all get down to the floorboards. It's the loudest noise I've ever heard. Uh, you know, your ears are popping from the pressure change. And then it just is suddenly calm and is over. And we get out of the truck and very clearly a tornado has come down the state highway and basically hit the front half of this gas station. And we happen to be on the safe side of it. And we're kind of protected from debris by the building. It is the scariest thing I've ever lived through. We all basically just drove home in silence and like got in our cars <laughs> and went home and like never did anything else with this again. <laughs> Did you did you build the weather website after that? Yeah, well, well, I think the weather. Well, we had the weather website. That's why we were interested. But it basically ended that interest. Um, yeah, <laughs> at least you know semi professionally, we're going to go storm chasing anymore. Yeah, uh, but I've, I have always been interested in this, and in this part of the country, it is a big deal. And you know, <laughs> something like dark sky could have saved our bacon that night. But it was uh, two thousand and three. We didn't have any of these apps. Yeah, uh, but yeah, really scary. And so. Weather can be scary. That's kind of why we wanted to talk about this. And uh, I understand going into this that a lot of these apps may only be available in the U.S. Global weather apps, like global weather data, gets really tricky because this data, as we're going to talk about, is expensive for developers to access. There's not really like one global system for an app to tie into. There's lots of different services. There's some like Willy Weather, which is only in Australia. There's others that are sort of you know, maybe U.S., U.K., and Canada. Like, it just depends on where you are. But the good weather apps let you change between services that may be local to your to your country or your part of the world. So some of these apps may not be available where everybody lives. We're kind of like doing our best here to hit the big the big names. Um, but that's kind of one to put a, a point on that. Yeah. And, you know, like there's national weather services in some countries and there's not in others. And right. it, it is kind of a hit and miss thing. And 
you know, someone wants to make an app is great, but that doesn't mean they can build a whole weather infrastructure in your country. So uh, they've just got to work with what they've got. But but I did want to kind of emphasize the point I was talking about earlier about weather apps being so interesting that, you know, the user interfaces on these apps are just remarkable in all of the differences in them. They, I just can't get over it. I, I remember at one point, I think John Gruber or somebody had said at one point that Twitter apps were the UI playground of the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think and it was Gruber. I think, yeah, it's weather apps. I mean, they, because they have so many ways to visually portray the data. And I, I really like that as a fan of apps. And it was really fun downloading apps for this episode and, and seeing all the different ways people do it. That's how they distinguish themselves. They're all working from basically the same data sets. I mean, they all have access to the same databases. If they're willing to pay for them, then it's just a question of how they give it to you. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about uh, categories and features and all that stuff. But first, uh, you want to take our first break? Sure. This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by SaneBox. Go to SaneBox.com MPU and receive a $25 credit on any plan. SaneBox is your smart email assistant. It learns what email is important to you and it filters out what isn't. And it can save you hours a week. It works with all kinds of email programs and services. You know, some people will go out and try a bunch of different email apps over the course of a year and SaneBox goes with you uh, wherever you need to go. And this is truly great email filtering. Let me give you some examples of some of the stuff SaneBox can do. It has the Sane Later folder. It keeps your inbox clean with only what actually matters. So things like receipts or maybe email from somebody you don't get very often, that can all end up in Sane later, and you can get to it when you get to it. And then there's the Sane black hole. We've all had the thing where we try to unsubscribe from a newsletter and it says, oh, you'll be unsubscribed in 10 business days, or they just don't unsubscribe you. Well, with the Sane black hole, you can just drag that message into that folder and you're never going to hear from that sender again. You can snooze email, which is great for deferring uh, messages till the next business day or the weekend. And Sane Reminders. You can copy an address like one week at SaneBox.com. And if the receiver hasn't replied to you, you'll get a reminder in one week to follow up. Uh, But you can pick any time frame. You can set a date, whatever you need. SaneBox will also let you move attachments to Dropbox and other cloud services. If you are running out of space with your email provider, it's really easy to do. There are various pricing plans available, and they start as low as about $4 a month. You can check out SaneBox with a 14-day free trial by visiting SaneBox.com MPU and receive a $25 credit on any plan. 66% of MPU listeners who have tried SaneBox end up subscribing, so you're probably going to love it. I know I do. Once again, that's SaneBox.com slash MPU to receive a $25 credit. Our thanks to SaneBox for supporting the show and keeping us from drowning in our inboxes. All right, we've got a lot of weather apps to cover today, but I thought before we start, why don't we kind of talk about the ground rules, you know, what makes a good weather app and and what are the expectations we should have from weather apps at this point? Yeah, this was this was hard for me to sort of put my uh, head around and actually wrote or kind of like prepped for a lot of this after checking out a lot of apps because I've realized what I sort of wanted and needed in an app after playing with a bunch of them. So I think we can break this down into the basically the type of data that the weather app provides and then sort of the tech features, you know, 
sort of as a separate thing. So at the heart of any weather app is going to be a forecast. Most, most have like a five or seven day. Some do extended forecasts broken down by hour, which I really like. Some, they just give you the hour forecast, you know, for the next 24 hours. And uh, so that, that kind of varies depending on what you need. You know, some parts of the of the world, a five-day forecast is basically useless. It's it's too far out. But it is nice for me to see the, the hour by hour because if I want to go out for a run or a bike ride or something, I may have a very specific time and you know, I want to know if it's going to be overcast or not in that hour. I like that feature, but I don't know if it's necessary for everybody. Yeah, well, it is nice to get kind of a look forward, you know, uh, California problems. Uh, if it tells me it's going to rain in five days for certain, that means there's like a 50% chance. Mm-hmm. And then it increases about 10% each day we get closer. But the uh, the the long-term forecast is is great to have. But I think the the thing that these mobile apps and mobile technology have brought is kind of the more macro, immediate, you know, weather forecast, mm-hmm. like you said, in the next hour. I remember when I was a kid, we would watch the news to get the weather report and the weather would always be at the very end, but everybody wanted to see, you know, what's the weather going to be tomorrow. And it's just kind of remarkable how much of uh, people, how much time people spent years ago just to get that little bit of information, how much time they'd waste. And now it's all just in our pocket and you can <laughs> yeah. drive to you. And it's, it's just, we're so lucky now. Yeah. I- I remember the same thing growing up. It's like, oh, let's see what the weather's going to be this weekend. It's like, I can just now ask my HomePod. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A, a lot of these apps also will show you sunrise and sunset information. Not all of them do. Some of them do it sort of in a kind of a, a hidden way. Maybe it's embedded in the forecast or something. But that can be a nice feature if you're planning things, you know, being outdoors early or late. Others also show information like uh, UV and allergy info. Some of the the sort of what I call like the the name brand apps, not necessarily indie apps, but the big, big apps have that information, which can be really vital to some people as well. Yeah, and and related, somewhat related air quality index, if you live in an area that has a lot of smog. Radar is uh, huge. It's it's definitely one that that I uh, want to have. Not almost every app, I think, I think every app actually that we look at today includes a radar. Some of them do it differently. Some of them it's more prominent. This is a feature that a lot of apps put behind in an app purchase because that data is expensive. Uh, a good app, in my opinion, will give you options for the radar. So you can see cloud cover or you can see uh, you know, rain or snowfall. Others will let you overlay temperature, humidity, lots of options. Uh, so you can really dial in what you want to see over a map. Now, I, I'm going to ask a question that's just going to enrage a bunch of listeners. Mm-hmm. But, but what is the radar data that the most people, you know, how do you use it? Cause like, that's one where maybe I'll check radar if there's rain coming in just to see if there's, you know, where the clouds exactly are. But, mm-hmm. but on the, I understand you, you probably use it a lot more than I do. What context do you check the radar maps? Yeah. So, so for instance, a couple of weeks ago in the, the early hours of the morning, we had some pretty severe weather come through. In fact, we had telephone poles knocked down on our street with like <laughs> power lines in the road. It was very exciting. Uh, wow. No one was hurt. We didn't have any damage here, but yeah. uh, some people did. And and that was a situation where in these big like storm fronts, you can have individual storm cells and a radar will will give you, you know, this is where it's been the last 10 minutes. This is where it's projected to go in the next 10 minutes. And if it's going to go 10 miles south of me or come right over my house, uh, that's something that I want to know in like a severe weather situation. Yeah, makes sense. So not something, you know, all the time. 
uh, to use, but it is, I find handy in those situations where, you know, things get a little bit dicey. Yeah. Another huge feature, and this, this is the one that you touched on, I think of, you know, used to watch TV and now it just happens is push notifications. Yeah. It's great. I mean, no matter where you are, there's something like we get um, push notifications for flash flood warnings because I live kind of in the hills and it's good to know that stuff. And um, I would assume they have them for some of the weather systems you guys face back there as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can set notifications for, you know, severe thunderstorm warning, tornado watch, lightning strikes, all sorts of things. This is where I do get to like play the weather guy. (laughs) like I yeah. did in high school, uh, the difference between a watch and a warning. Cause you see those labels in these apps and, uh, a watch. So let's, let's say, let's talk about a tornado, tornado watch or tornado warning or tornado watch means the conditions are favorable for something to happen. Whereas a warning means that the tornado in this case or whatever it is, has been seen or picked up on radar. So a watch just means, Hey, that the ingredients are kind of right here, you know, kind yeah. of be aware and a warning means if, if you know, there's a warning coming through your town, hey, you need to take action. You need to make sure you and your family are someplace safe because this is something that is happening. And a lot of these apps will let you select, uh, you know, what sort of notifications you want. So maybe you don't want watches and you only want warnings or maybe you want both or a lot of them you can really dial this in. And something, too, that shows up in some of the radar heavy apps where they'll put in those those. Uh, those warning areas overlaid on the radar. So for instance, in in my county, uh, Shelby County, we have Memphis, but we also have several suburbs, which are their own cities. And it may be that there's a tornado warning, but it's, you know, on the other side of the county for me, which is 30 miles away. And I can look on the radar and say, okay, well, where they've drawn it, you know, it's way up north. It's not near me. So we're okay. Um, So all this is just giving you more information so if you are in a situation where you need to do something to stay safe that you are that you know without even having to pull your phone out right because you're getting it pushed to your watch or your phone is vibrating um of course in the US and a lot of other countries as well emergency services also have the ability to push things to basically all mobile phones and i think some carriers now or maybe in the US it's an option to turn it off but these weather apps can give you even more fine grained control of what you want you know, and also related to this, but not quite as extreme, is just kind of the whole concept of the minute cast, you know, that, hey, uh, we think it's going to start raining where you are in two minutes. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, how great is that? You know, It's like um, science fiction, right? And, and, it, and it's true so often. I mean, I, I'll be sitting here working, and then I see the clouds coming in, I get the little warning, and in two minutes, I start seeing raindrops fall out of the sky. It's, it's nuts. Yeah, and dark sky is sort of the... Maybe the most well known for that, and and dark sky data actually powers that in a lot of other apps, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah, yeah, the the technology is is remarkable, and I just can't wait to see where all this goes in the future. But but for now, what are we looking for in tech features in a weather app? I think for me, I want to have something that is on my iPhone, iPad, and Apple Watch. I know some of these have like tvOS versions or maybe Mac versions, which which are nice, but really like in in sort of like the the ones that we picked, even some of them don't even have iPad versions. But I feel like the iPhone is sort of the right place for these sorts of apps because it's always with you. And you know, God forbid you're in a situation where 
you're in danger. Your iPhone is going to be with you and your your iMac is not going to be probably. So I think it, yeah. the, the iPhone is like just the bare minimum. And I think, you know, being a good iPhone app, so you have widgets and Siri support and custom icons, like all that stuff is is important to you. The widget's really nice. Like slide over and see what the weather's going to be tomorrow. Yeah, and I, if I had to put them in order of importance, I'd say iPhone, then probably watch. Mm-hmm. And for me, I would probably put Mac next because I spend a lot of time working at a Mac. I, I like having the weather in my menu bar. Yeah, I do too. I've, I've got it. I got it right now. It's not even freezing here today. It's very cold. I use all the platforms. I mean, we even have weather apps on our Apple TV. And so so I, I think it's great. And like I said, just that getting that access to information. And then what Stephen mentioned about widgets is, is key. You know, I don't think... Um, listeners or just people in general use the widget screen or I think Apple calls it the today view screen enough. And that's where you swipe to the right from your home screen and you can have a custom set of apps. A lot of people say, you know, Android's got all these cool customizable icons and things you can do. But I think Apple's answer to that is that widget screen and it is very customizable. Like you can get, you know, whatever it is that you're working in your task list, your calendar, your, your battery status. But I don't know of many categories of apps that seem to be better candidate for a widget screen than a weather app. And if you're on iPad OS, you can just have it out on your home screen all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like almost as a game, it's a deal breaker for me if um, if it doesn't have a widget because I do put weather on my widget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I, sounded, that sounded odd. We, we, we know what you're saying. I, uh, I'm definitely one of those people where I don't use that today view very often but i do have a weather app there all the time it's one of the very few widgets i use because it is it is so handy and so quick just to, to glance real quickly and, and move on so there's something uh too we need to, i think when you talk about we should talk about the business model of these apps because you look yeah. at this category in the app store and dude there's just so many options and yeah it's interesting how many of them basically have the same or very similar business models We've mentioned a couple of times now that the data that these apps are using, it's not free. They have to go and pay for access to you know some sort of API. Very often, the radar data is more expensive and separate. So you may see some apps in here that are free, and then they have multiple levels of in-app purchase to unlock the features you want or need. Yeah. I'm totally fine with that. Where I live in the country, I, I want this data. I'm happy to pay for it to customize it the way I want to. But that's, I think, the reason we see this. And, you know, like five or six years ago, I was actually thinking about this this morning. Five or six years ago, there were, you know, several weather, like indie weather apps that sort of died off kind of all at once. And it was because these weather providers were, you know, their rates were increasing because, look, they, you know, if you're running a weather API, before the iPhone, that was a pretty small business. But now the iPhones here, like they have to have lots of servers and infrastructure to feed the data to all these apps, right? And yeah. so it's just become a more expensive business to be in. And I think this is a category of apps where the subscription change has really paid off for developers because it means that they can actually like afford to run their apps. If you if you bought an, a weather app for $399 four years ago, they've blown through your $399, you know. <laughs> several years in and your access to this data. And so yeah. I think they're, this category really losing money on you at that point. <laughs> oh yeah. Bleeding. Right. 
And so I, I think this category really benefited from that shift. I mean, just to put a point on it, the more successful you are, the more unique your UI was, or the better you did as a weather app, the more popular your app became, the quicker you ran into to red ink with getting access to the data. So mm-hmm. it was like they almost re, they'd reward bad apps and punish good ones. It, it was it just didn't really work, you know. Right. But the uh, and for me, like I I don't need the weather data as badly as you do as we've established. But I do like having good weather data. And to me, I look at it as a time investment, you know, uh, paying for time, like where I used to watch a half hour news program every night to get the weather. Now I can get it anytime I want it, but I, uh, I need to pay a little premium if I want extra features. And some of the apps we're going to talk about today, like the Apple built-in app doesn't cost you a dime. So this isn't something you have to subscribe to, but, uh, there are options out there. And I think the model works here. Um, Mm -hmm. There is a flip side to sort of this conversation. A lot of these apps do show ads in their free versions, and I have no problem with that. But some apps have been caught. uh, AccuWeather in particular in 2017 had a pretty big privacy breach. They were sharing location data from users, and uh, there'll be a link in the show notes about that. It's a couple years ago now. But if you are using an app that shows ads and you're going to leave the ads in it, I think it's worth checking out the privacy policy because these apps really work best when they have location access. You know, a lot of them you can manually set, Hey, I want to know the weather for this city, but if I'm traveling, I would like my Apple watch to show me the weather where I am, not necessarily the weather at home. And so, you know, the apps that I use for this all have location access. They can, they can ping it in the background. And so that does mean that you should be aware of, you know, what they're, the developers doing with that data. If they're, if they're selling ads, that's you know something you should you should look at. So just something to be aware of that you know these apps do have access to a lot of information because they're tied to your location. Yeah, I mean it, it is it's an area of risk. That's all you and you need to develop. That's another reason why I'm nervous about like totally unknown developers uh, and giving them that access because if you're going to have good weather, you gotta you gotta give access. I don't feel bad about paying for these apps for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I I don't either. This is totally no problem for me for a subscription for a good weather app. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Direct Mail. If you're looking to grow your customer base, connect with fans, or build a following this year, a super cost-effective way to reach people is still email. For over 15 years, Direct Mail for Mac has been the go-to email marketing application for businesses, nonprofits, schools, and other organizations that want to expand their reach and connect with customers. It's designed just for the Mac, so you can get your work done in half the time using all the Mac technologies you've grown to love, like drag and drop, keyboard shortcuts, integration with other apps, and more. None of this web nonsense with Direct Mail. It's a Mac app, and you can build your your mail right there. Direct Mail has eye-catching templates that are infinitely customizable and look great on all devices. Direct Mail have helpful customer service staffed by real humans. There's no chat bots, no AI. 
you ever done that where you're talking to one of those chatbots? You're like, are you a human? And then they, <laughs> yeah. they, they try to fool you and yeah. say they are. Uh, you don't get that with direct email. They, yeah. A human picks up the phone. Hey, how can I help you? <laughs> it's just friendly folks ready to help and at no extra charge. So send your first campaign today with a free download of direct mail. Listeners of the Mac Power users will save 10% off the full uh, feature pricing plans. Head over to directmail.com slash MPU to experience a top-rated email marketing app for Mac and see how they can help your business grow. And thanks to Direct Mail for supporting the Mac Power users and all of FM. So I thought we could maybe alternate uh talking up the uh the talking up and down this list um let's yeah. start with the the built-in weather app and uh i get to ring my bell here because there my maybe my favorite k-base article is titled about the weather app and icons on your iphone and ipod touch if you go to this there's like a huge list of all the artwork that they use in the weather app i've never seen a bunch of these because like we don't have um hurricanes here and we don't have blowing snow here but yeah. there's there's some really nice artwork in the weather app from apple and it's, it's a very pretty application yeah and it, it you know it checks the basic boxes uh some of the features we talked about like the you know the notifications and right on the spot you know rain is coming in two minutes so if you're not going to get that with the weather app but if you need a basic weather app you don't want to spend any money uh this is not one that i would just ignore yeah, it, it does a good job, maybe out of all of these, the best job of multiple cities. So if you want to know what the weather's like, where your friends live, where your parents are, it's really nicely done. And it actually has a lot more information than it looks. I mean, just when you load it, you just see a little bit of forecast. But then if you scroll down, there's lots of other information there, including sunrise and sunset and some other things. And it's it's a great place to start. It does lack some things that maybe more power users would want. So there's no radar, there's no notifications, but if you don't really care, or if you're in a part of the world where it's not that big of a deal, like this is an app that people just chunk in a folder on their iPhone called junk. Like it actually has some real value, I think. Yeah. Another thing about the weather app, and we're going to talk about weather automation later in the outline, but the Apple weather app is a very good participant with shortcuts. So if you want to start making automation routines, it's the Apple weather app data and access that you're going to use to, to pull a lot of that off. So I think thumbs up Apple weather app. Yeah, I, I think so. I think unless you need something more, it will totally meet your needs in a very aesthetically pleasing way. Yeah. And, and I, I do think like, you know, the California guy who doesn't need the weather as much as you do. Uh, for a lot of people, I think that would be just fine. I actually want more data, and I want to do more with my weather than that. But mm -hmm. uh, I think if you live in a, in a fairly mild climate, you maybe will just get by with it. The the weather app, in a way, reminds me of so many of Apple's first-party apps where, yeah, it may not meet the needs for everybody, especially like in our audience of like, you know, <laughs> nerdy users. But for the general user out there, it's plenty and looks good and works really well, so... I think it's a good default app in that way. Yeah. And, you know, like people that in high school started their own website and went to weather school, it's not for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dodge tornadoes. <laughs> I, I, Stephen, before we move on, though, I, I, I do think that there's a bit of a crisis on the Mac Power users. Uh oh. Because I've always felt that I'm the K base guy, I have the bell. 
I'm oh. right here. I'm ready. I rang and my own you're, bell. You're ringing your own bell for I'm your sorry. own K base. I I really don't think that's fair. Okay, I think um, you're right. I'm. So, I rescind. I rescind my bell ringing. But I know you do have a bell. I do. So I'm. And yeah. I think they both have the same tone, but I'm sorry. Um, the uh, but either way, I think maybe in the forums we should we should figure out what the Stevens Bell. What is it there for? Mm. Oh, so what do I ring it for when you do something? Yeah, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. That's a good question. I would say rambling, but that would then you'd ring it all the time, and it would feel kind of passive aggressive. So don't don't suggest <laughs> rambling. <laughs> but the, uh, but either way, I uh, I do think the uh, the listener should help us out with this because we I I don't want you to your bell to go to waste. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like you're kind of on my turf here with sorry. this K base thing. All right. Anyway, sorry, I just had to say that. That's no, cool. This bell came from our fifth anniversary show. Yes. <laughs> the um. So we've got the the dark sky weather app which i think is the next one that i'd want to talk about and it is probably the second most popular app because that's the one that came up with the idea hey what if we could tell people it's going to rain in a few minutes and we could give them like a nice pretty graph that shows the likelihood of rain over the next x number of minutes and the first time i saw this i thought it was magic you know mm-hmm. you know that quote the difference between magic and i forget Tech, technology sufficiently advanced is no different than magic. I think it's Arthur C. Clarke said that or something. That That's what it felt to me like. Are you kidding me? You can tell me where I'm at. It's going to rain in two minutes. And it did. Yeah, it is incredible. This is the number one weather app in the U.S. App Store for good reason. I think a lot of people are drawn to that feature. And they do offer an API. So a lot of other weather apps can also do this because Dark Sky makes that data available to them. But the... The Dark Sky Weather app itself, like I love the data and I love what it can do. Its features are great. There's a very nice radar. There's lots of notification options. Again, you mentioned like the rain in two minutes, but you can do uh, severe weather alerts and, and lots of other things. I don't love the layout in the app, especially on the iPhone. There's something about the design that doesn't quite work for me, but it is one that if you want the data then like maybe the design doesn't bother you. Maybe the design doesn't bother anybody else. I just, it do, I don't love the way some of the, the information is laid out. Yeah. It's um, so vertically from top to bottom, the, the forecast puts the temperature on a linear line. So like a higher number is further to the right, a lower number is further to the left. Mm-hmm. And I kind of go get what they're going. And there, there are some apps out there that do kind of linear temperature, but this does it in a vertical fashion. And I got to admit, it feels to me like a waste of space. You know, I feel like the app could do a better job with this, mm-hmm. give me a little better data. But, um, but you know, the like I said, the killer feature is the um, dark sky weather data. I, I don't use the app every day either, but I do keep it on my, my device. And it's almost mandatory for me to pick an app that uses the dark sky data for mm-hmm. these minute forecast because now that i have access to it i I can't imagine not having access to it and they they do a neat thing too there's a report functionality so if it is raining your location and dark sky didn't tell you you can tell dark sky that it is raining and it goes into their i guess their algorithms that figure this out and, and so you can kind of make it better help make it better for them which i think is cool i think it's fun to be involved in that sort of thing yeah i don't know 
It, get, it gets a little too much. <laughs> I don't know. Like you don't love like correcting something in Apple Maps. It's a great hobby. I, I just don't bother, honestly. <laughs> That's probably better. Um, it has a, a neat feature called Time Machine. So you can look at the weather in the past. So as we as we released this, uh, my birthday is this week, and I looked up the day I was born. Turns out it was uh, 50 and sunny in Memphis the day I was born. So like a nice, balmy, uh, you know, southern winter day the day I was born. No, no snow or ice or anything, thankfully. Nice. I, I, that's another feature I could care less about though. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I did it to look at my birthday for that line. Like I'll never do it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but that, that's like, you know, it is because there's only so much you can do with the weather. You'll see with a lot of these apps, somebody will come up with a feature like the weather time machine and it just starts showing up everywhere because mm-hmm. everybody wants to cover all the features, right? Yeah. The uh, watch app for Dark Sky, um, I think it gives me just enough data. I guess you were, you and I were uh, talking before. You don't, there's no radar on your watch. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, Carrot Weather and some others do that. Um, yeah. Dark Sky doesn't, but I think that's fine. Like, that's, I don't know how many people actually want that. And even though I have it, I don't actually use it all that often. So, yeah. Make it that what you will. Uh, the watch app is really nice, though, because it, it sort of focuses on that hyper local forecast stuff we've been talking about and it's it's quick and it looks good and um you know like you said the, i agree with you the watch app is sort of level two for me like i want a complication i want it to be updated on a regular basis you know i want to be able to use a watch app and, and that's really uh handy i think dark sky does a good job of that uh comparing it to the apple weather app it is a ton more data and more accurate data and more useful data. And it's a one-time purchase of $4. And I, I bought it. I'm, I'm sure they're losing money on me at this point because I bought it ages ago when yeah. it was new. Yeah. And, I, I, um, I remember when it was new and I was like, well, I'm just like we've been saying this, it was really groundbreaking when it was new and, and I've had it forever. Yeah. And they, um, their business model is a strong one because not only although they don't do subscription pricing, they're making money off a bunch of other apps because they're licensing their data out. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be around for a while. I, I think my, you know, because there's so many options here, you can be extremely picky. And for me, at the end of the day, the problem with Dark Sky is the user interface. Yeah, and I, I agree with you for the same reason. I don't like that, that vertical layout. But uh, another app here, and one that actually my wife uses, that's why I'm familiar with this, is called Hello Weather. It is free. There's a $6.99 a year subscription that includes the Apple Watch app, changing uh, different weather sources, unlocking the radar, custom app icons. This is an example of where the free app is really pretty basic. And I think it gives you an idea of how Hello Weather works and looks. And then if you want to customize it in any way, you've got to do the in-app purchase. I think that's a totally fair line because like, you want to see what the app is like before you you know you jump into a subscription. I like a lot about this app. I think the data density is much better than Dark Sky where you're doing a lot of scrolling and a lot of sort of tabbing back and forth. Hello Weather puts a lot of that sort of front and center. Yeah, it's so much prettier. I didn't know about this app until you you brought it in the outline. And I even like if you read the description on the App Store the, the developer says there's a million weather apps out there and they're all overloaded with ugly ads, confusing interfaces, and stupid gimmicks. 
we think that stinks, so we made a simple weather app. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like their copy. Like, I like the this. There's not a lot of personality in the app, yeah. but there's personality around the app, like the way the developers talk about it. This is a very small team. I think it's just two people. It's and three. Three people. Jonas, Trevor, and Dan. It's okay. just right here. <laughs> three people. Very small team, which I, I like. Um, yeah. I like that. I feel like if I emailed them, they'd email me back, you know, like yeah. that sort of thing. And you, and you want to support those little teams. I, that's, yeah. that's my weakness when it comes to developers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it does a great job. I mean, like you said, the UI is way better than dark sky, giving you exactly what you need visually. Uh huh. Yeah, I think so. It is, a, a an app that is on the iPad, but in a way that is effectively just the iPhone app sort of blown up. I think the iPad version is a little weak. But the Apple Watch version is also really good, and it puts basically all of the information from the iPhone, except the radar, on the Apple Watch. They've got a nice complication. It's very easy to read. You know, I think a lot of watch apps make the make a mistake of treating it like um, like a tiny iPhone, like really making it too dense in a way. And I feel like Hello Weather, those developers did a good job making the, the watch app sort of easy to read at a glance. Yeah, there's a lot less space there. Mm-hmm. Now, with the upgrade, do you get the um, you know up to the minute rain warnings and things like that, kind of the dark sky database stuff? I'm not sure off the top of my head. I know you can set dark sky to be the source, but I'm not yeah. sure. I just don't know to be honest with you if they pull in the it's going to rain in two minutes or not. I know they show um, hourly forecasts to a certain point. But um, and I know they have real time uh, participation uh, precipitation estimates, but I'm not sure if they do yeah. the hey, it's raining in three minutes. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, this is a candidate if you're looking for a good solid app. I was impressed, you know. So uh, th- I think this is one that I think we both give thumbs up to. Totally, um, I-, I think it's great, and I have used it on and off. Like I said, my wife uses it; she really likes it, and I forget. I think she had maybe actually maybe actually found it uh, and I saw it on her phone. So it's it's a it's a solid choice. Yeah, I love it when my wife finds things for me in tech and then I feel like, huh, how come I didn't figure that out? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Another one that's popular is weather up two words. So this one has a little more personality. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, um this one i i you know it, so it, you have like custom icons and it does use dark sky i mean there's a lot to like about this app but i think this one for me tried a little too hard on the user interface that was kind of my reaction to it well what do you mean by that like what what just i you know just i, I don't like the cartoony stuff you know yeah, well i let me back up so it's nine nine dollars and 99 cents ten dollars a year or 35 dollars for a lifetime for uh, in-app purchase to to get the customizations and the forecast sources, including dark sky. Well, one of the points Stephen made after using it, you like the radar. You said it, I guess it fills the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the radar is the background and sort of the the weather data comes up on a card that sort of slides up from the bottom. Yeah. You can pull in your local calendars to see the forecast for upcoming events. I think that's kind of clever. Uh, no watch app, but the... Uh, I guess just the user interface, man. I just, I just never got my head wrapped around. It. You, know, you know, I think it's just because I don't care that much about radar. Mm-hmm. It's very radar heavy, and there are a couple of apps on this list that do this, where the, the radar is sort of the backdrop. 
I think my main problem with this interface is that the card that comes up from the bottom, like if you if you have your calendars in this, which I think is actually a really good idea. Like, is it going to be raining at the birthday party? Where instead of like opening calendar, looking at the time, and then going to your weather app and like it just does it all in one place. But to switch yeah. in between that and like the forecast data, like I'm not quite sure I ever really figured it out. Like there's an X on the card and you tap the X and then it switches modes. Like I think some of that could be a little bit cleaner. I think the card metaphor thing is is like it's clever, but maybe a little difficult to use in places. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It, it seems like a solid app, but just doesn't scratch the itch for me. I think that's fair. Like you said, you we get to be picky about this because there's yeah. there's so many. Yeah. It, it's just not the aesthetic that I want in them. I like kind of a minimalist mm-hmm. look to them, and this is not that. Yeah. A relative newcomer to this category is an app called Snowflake Weather uh, by the same folks that make iStat menus um, and a bunch of other stuff. So this this was in beta for a long time. I got to check out the beta for a while. It is like if there was a word that came to mind, it would be like... <laughs> density there is so much information in this app there's all sorts of stuff uh we should say that it's 4.99 to buy and then a dollar a month for again additional providers more radar options ui customization but if you really want to get into the weeds of really specific things this app has just about everything you could ever, ever want. I think it does a pretty good job of using graphs and charts to make it easier to sort of digest. And then if you want to go to details, you can scroll down and see a lot more in, in most of the individual screens, but like dew point, you know, the, the phase of the moon, I mean, all sorts of stuff is in here. I think it, it can be a little overwhelming at first to use this application. I think it's worth going into the settings and, turning off stuff you don't want or customizing the UI to, to sort of bring to the surface what you want. But because of that, it is maybe the most ultimately flexible app on this list, but you kind of have to make it what you want of it, if that makes sense. If uh, you've ever seen iStat menus, this looks exactly like an app that was <laughs> yeah. made by the people who make iStat menus. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's really the same design aesthetic as well, you know, because... Uh, you know, it's kind of the 2D graph layout, although they have this 3D cloud on the icon that I'm, I'm not a fan of. I feel like that's just a little too, you know, a little too bold yeah. <laughs> on the icon. Yeah, you but, can change the icon in this. Like most of these apps, yeah. you can. I'm glad you yeah. can in Snowflake Weather because I don't like I don't love the default design. Yeah, but the uh, but I agree. This is like again for data heavy people. Like I feel like high school Stephen would have been so over this oh, app. Yeah. Would have would loved it. Absolutely. As you're chasing tornadoes, you would be yeah. using this app. Through, through this the countryside. Tornado chaser. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, one thing that is is pretty cool about this is that the uh, the watch app, I think, is particularly good for Snowflake Weather, especially for such a young app. This app shipped like a couple of months ago. And yeah. I think their watch app feels way more mature than it has any right to be because it's so young. I think they just really got that right off the bat. And that's that's not true for everybody. A lot of apps and developers evolve their watch app over time, and Snowflake Weather just came out of the gate with a really good one. 
Yeah, their data density for a watch app is, is really just right. Like even like the the multi-day forecast uh or even the hourly forecast, it it conveys the information that you can get even if you don't have reading glasses on. So I mean it's you know, it's just good. I I agree. I, I really like this app. I'm I hope it's successful. I'm curious to see, you know, where it goes. Now that they're now that they planted their stake. Mm-hmm. So um I'd like to see because I, I like the Bajango guys. I, I think that they do a real service on the Mac with iStep menus, and I, I hope they have a way. You know, I hope they can develop this this app as well. Yeah, I, I think they want to. I mean, they've been working on it for a long time, and I think that their attention to detail, just as as the way they develop stuff, is is like just bar none. I mean, if you've ever used iStep menu, what it can do is incredible, and the same sort of level of detail is, is what they've put into this. Yeah, and and people, a lot of people don't realize is you can get a weather report out of iStat Menu too. Yes, you can. In fact, I used it uh, for weather for a long time before uh, Carrot Weather came to the Mac. Yeah, so you can, you know, it just iStat Menu. In addition to telling you how fast your fans are going, can tell you if it's going to rain out of mm-hmm. your menu bar. It's pretty cool. So I guess <laughs> that kind of makes sense. Now I think about it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It, it is. Uh, it is neat, and like you said. Uh, I'm excited to see where it could go in the future. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Booz Allen. Modernizing for the future is a challenge, especially for large organizations. You may need to integrate legacy systems with new technology. You may need to incorporate things like AI or analytics to work more efficiently and make faster decisions. Everyone needs new ways of thinking about how to move to what's next, whether for government or commercial goals. Booz Allen understands that they're helping some of the world's largest organizations modernize. They understand that the missions of government and industry need to adapt to constant change. They provide open source solutions so clients can integrate innovation from anywhere, whether from visionary startups or major contractors. Plus, they're helping clients power new technologies with analytics. Because security is everyone's priority, they integrate their capabilities with intelligence-grade cybersecurity. With Booz Allen, integration means putting you in control of innovation. Integrate, innovate, get it done with Booz Allen. Learn more at boozallen.com slash relay. That's boozallen.com slash relay. You want to talk about some more weather apps? we got a lot more to go. Yeah, the next one is one of my favorites, uh, Weatherline. And this is one that's been around for a while. They started out as a simple purchase app, and now they've got a subscription plan. It's $9.99 a year, and you get additional ad uh, types and no ads. But I just love talking about you know a simple user interface. I think Weatherline is the king of that. It gives you hourly and daily. It can connect to the dark sky weather database, so you get all that. You know they call it the super forecast in their app. But the way it works is it just gives you a horizontal graph for the day or the week or whatever you're looking at with little iconography. And you can get multiple locations on the screen. Um, you know, I just, you have to kind of see it, but this app either works for you or not. Yeah, I know it's very popular in sort of our circles. I don't, it doesn't necessarily do it for me for, for a couple of reasons we can get into, um, but I will give them full credit the design is just it, it's breathtaking it's modern like it feels like this is what an iOS app 
should be like, uh, which is, I mean, some of these apps feel like, especially as we get into some of the bigger ones here in a minute, feel very much like they wrote the same app to run on every platform. Weatherline feels completely custom in a really nice way. The other thing that I really like about it is something called Travel Assist. So if you set your home location in the the weather app and then you go somewhere else and you have it set to, you know, follow my location, then you can't see your weather at home and your weather where you actually are. And some people want to see both. And so what Weatherline does is you set your home locations, like you know, my home address. And then if I leave here, it leaves that in place and then temporarily shows me my current location. And then when I come home, it folds them back into one and it just gives me the, you know, it gives a, a user of this kind of the ability to see more than one place at once. It's clever. It's hard to explain, but it is, is very clever for me. Like I, I, I like what they're doing. I feel like the data density isn't quite what I want. I like the radar to be much bigger because it is just sort of a, a thumbnail and um, it is iPhone only. So if you want it somewhere else, you know, it, it is, it is just, just on the iPhone. You know how, if someone asks you for directions, there are two kinds of ways to answer the question. You either write out directions, you know, go down this street and take a right and then go down that street and take a left, or you draw a map for them. Mm-hmm. The people who answer the question of how do I get there with by drawing a map are going to be the kind of people like Weatherline. <laughs> um, but but you're right, it's missing too. I mean, it, it doesn't go as deep down the stack as some of these other apps. And as much as I like it, it's not my weather app. Mm-hmm. You know? I, had, I hadn't used it for a while until we started prepping and I downloaded it to find, oh, it's a subscription now. I'm not going to pay the subscription for it because there's other apps that do more that uh that are worth the the subscription dollars from me but mm-hmm. i do like weatherline it, it is a pretty app you can you can use it without subscription but to if you want all the power features you're gonna have to pay uh ten dollars a year yep so i think from here we're kind of moving into the sort of the big brands like right? the big weather companies you know groups that that only do you know whether or not we're not talking about indie indie devs really yeah Things things get serious from here. One of the the first ones is uh, NOAA Weather Radar Live. So N O A A, not NOAA like the Ark. Although that would be a funny funny pun, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it is the lots of rain. It is uh, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. This is government data here in the U.S. It's fine. Uh, I don't. <laughs> A lot of these apps from here on out look and feel the same. And I think that's true for this one as well. Like the design isn't anything inspiring. The data is, of course, like pretty nice because it is like government data. It's, it's from what I can tell, very accurate. But it does have a lot of features that indie apps have. So for me, it sort of straddles the fence where it has things like Siri shortcut support, customizable notifications, a watch app that includes a radar and and it's pretty nice, but it is also twenty bucks a year, so it is on the the more expensive end of things on this list. Yeah, another one on the list is Weather Underground. It's the same thing. I, you know, I gotta admit, um, these the big corporate weather apps, none of them really excite me. And, uh, me uh, neither. 
I think it, I do have a bias towards small indie developers, but I, I think it's kind of more a bias towards interesting user interface and not necessarily safe user mm-hmm. interface. Yeah. And all these are very safe and they, you know, they look like it. They look like something that was designed by a committee. It, it, it does. Um, Weather Underground is uh, a little unique in that it has a huge network of like personal weather stations. So you can buy a weather station for your house and hook it into weather underground and like check the weather in your backyard. And it means you can check the weather in a bunch of people's backyards. So if, if you're in a part of the, of the world, like say take San Francisco where San Francisco kind of famously has like different microclimates and depending where you are in the city, your weather could be very different and something more generic isn't very useful to you. Weather underground can fill that need if you have something that's really specific but yeah, the the design of all of these is clunky. It's it's not. It, they don't take advantage of what makes iOS iOS. They feel sort of one solution for all platforms. Yeah, another one, and also Weather Underground is twenty dollars a year. Yep, it's expensive. Um, Weather Channel. This is I the, can I have to admit I don't like this app. I saw it was on the list. I didn't even download it. <laughs> I, am, I just don't want to go there again. Yeah, what's well, on my phone? And um, I mean, it's like the number one, uh, number two weather app. Usually, it's free. It's ten bucks a year to turn off the ads. I did not. Lo- I did not know the Weather Channel was owned by IBM until I installed this app. And it's like the splash game was like powered by IBM. I was like, oh, uh, that's weird. Yeah. One one thing that these apps do that the indie ones don't is that they include non weather information. So like. The Weather Channel, at least where I am, I don't know if this is global, has like flu risk information in it, which like the flu season is bad this year. It can be really dangerous. Like that's cool, but that's also like some of these apps feel like the morning news. Like, you know, if you're stuck in a doctor's office at 10 a.m. and they just are playing like some health channel. Some of these apps feel that way of like this is interesting information, but not particularly relevant to why I'm here. And a lot of these apps have that sort of thing, including the weather channel. And that is what it is. If you want that sort of thing, it's, it's fine. Clearly a lot of people do because it's so <laughs> downloaded so often, but it is not for me. And I think probably not for most of our listeners. So to round the weather apps out, I think we've got to talk about weather bug. And I was surprised to see this and looking through the top weather charts in the in the app store because I remember WeatherBug as a Windows application back in the day that like sat in your in your system tray and yeah. like a little ladybug would like pop up and tell you the weather and it's like Windows ninety five or ninety eight or something so yeah they're still kicking and it feels like the Weather Channel app where it's just a lot yeah. of stuff just a lot of things going on and overwhelming and and not for me you can see those windows 95 roots still (laughs) the colors are kind of like windows xp you know the blue and the green um it's it is 2.99 a year to remove the ads they have weather bug elite which is 20 bucks that has basically all the features it's a separate app which is a real throwback right do you remember that there was like instapaper instapaper pro like that's all kind of gone away i don't know why they haven't folded that into an in-app purchase but Weatherbug is uh, still out there and um, still still doing his thing. Well, I got one for you. Uh, this is a uniquely California problem, but 
uh, it's kind of a weather app. It's called MyShake, M-Y-S-H-A-K-E. And it's uh, for Californians only. Uh, the state of California installed 800 early warning earthquake devices. And it's an application that will send you a notification uh, before an earthquake hits. Ooh. Not much of a notification, not much time. <laughs> But enough time, you know, another 10 seconds might make the difference of getting your butt out the door or under a desk or something. So uh, it's it's really impressive uh, that it was a big program in the state. It took years to kind of put it in place. But now there's an app that sends you a notification. So, hey, the big one's coming. You got five seconds. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, I yeah. had read about this and I think it is. This is what technology should do for us, right? It should yeah. it should be helpful in these situations. Yeah, I'm really happy with, uh, you know, because state governments, sometimes they're kind of kind of wacky. But this one, uh, they did they did good here. That's great. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Health IQ. At some point in the last couple of years, you've probably created or maintained a healthy habit, whether that's getting enough sleep or working out or just trying to eat the right foods. And if you live a healthy lifestyle, you could be rewarded for your hard work with more affordable life insurance rates, and you could save up to 41%. Just take the Health IQ quiz, and then they'll walk you through the entire process of applying. The policy is underwritten by one of their top insurance partners, and there will be a real person at the end of the phone who you can chat to. The savings are exclusive to Health IQ, so you won't find them anywhere else, but you do have to qualify to get that special rate. You live healthy, you uh, it helps you out, right? Uh, so I started trying to get more healthy recently. I decided I'm not going to just fade into middle age, you know, turn into a lump. And uh, and it's been really great. You know, I'm eating better. I, I go to the gym. I, uh, I bicycle a lot more. And I'm thinking, why should I have to pay health rates with the people that aren't doing all that work? Well, that's where uh, the service comes in. So uh, to see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com slash MPU to take the proprietary Health IQ quiz. Depending upon your score, as well as other related qualifying factors, you can save up to 41% of your life insurance premiums compared to other providers. Again, that's healthiq.com slash MPU to let them know we sent you and start the process with the Health IQ quiz. There's no commitment and you'll learn even more about potential opportunities to be rewarded for your commitment to living healthy. One more time, healthiq.com slash MPU. Our thanks to Health IQ for their support of the Mac Power Users and all of Relay FM. So I think it's time that we talk about our favorite. Yeah, we the 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 gorilla on the couch that we've been ignoring the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, so carrot weather is is our collective favorite, and when we were talking about this, we we both sort of at the same time said yes that that's the one. Carrot weather. Let's talk about the iPhone version first. It is four ninety nine for the app, and then there are three tiers of in app purchases. I'm going to put a link in the show notes where the developer explains the tiers, but effectively like tier one is $4.99 a year and you get alternative weather data sources, notifications, Apple watch background updates, some customization tier two gives you custom notifications, maps on the Apple watch, some other things. And then tier three also gives you rain, lightning and storm cell notifications. And that is uh, $30 a year. So it it gets expensive, but 
Carrot Weather, in my mind, is worth it because of what it can give you. And I pay for the tier three I have for a long time. And, you know, this is the most expensive thing on the list today. But as we get into this, hopefully you'll see why we think it's worth it. Yeah, I'm I'm in a tier two. And I've been a tier two subscriber, I think, since that started. Uh, I don't need quite as much data as Stephen does. And I didn't run a high school website. So you know, <laughs> we have that. But it, my journey with Carrot Weather is kind of interesting. The apps started out as almost, I felt like, a gimmick app. It was a weather app. And the Carrot, I think, is it just one guy that's developing mm-hmm. this? I don't know. Yep. Uh, but he's, he had like a health one. He had a, a couple different ones. And, and the whole idea is you open the app and there's a, a, a malicious robot running the application. And it, it, you know, says insulting things to you, which, you know, that's kind of funny for a little while. But I'm like, I, I don't need that in my weather app. I just need a weather app. And so I kind of poo-pooed it. And I thought it was cute, but I didn't, you know, I went back to Weatherline or whatever I was using at the time. And then like a year or two later, I came back and realized, you know, in addition to having this angry robot, which you can turn off this app has got a lot of power and a lot of data. So I, I realized that I actually discounted the app when I shouldn't have. So I, I'm a kind of a late comer to care whether I've, it's been around, I don't know, five years or so. How long has it been here? But, but I've only been using it a couple of years now. Yeah. I have the personality stuff turned off. I don't, I, it is funny, but I, I don't need that in a weather app. And I switched to it full time when you could turn it off because you used to not be able to. And you can set the different levels of snark and, and stuff. But it it does have a lot of data. And if you go through our, our features of what we want, basically everything we talked about pretty much is in here, including uh, the rarity that there is a Mac version. We spoke about that on our Catalyst episode with John Voorhees a few weeks ago where yeah. – uh, Carrot came over because of that. And it's a menu, got a menu bar app and really nice Mac app. And it's, it's a separate purchase of $15, but it's, it, I use it because I do like having weather on the computer when I'm at work. Yeah. Well, your, your office is, you know, in a separate structure. You don't want to get separated from your family if a tornado blows in. Right? Mm, I do not. That would be bad news. So the, uh, the thing about, about carrot weather though is just the it's the amount of data but it's also the customization and what's cool about it is the developer has broken the customization down by device so like i'm going into settings right now and you can customize the iphone app so you can look at what data points you want so look up at the top of the app it gives you sort of a a summary and you can pick what is there. So if wind speed is really important to you, you can give it precedent over other things, or if it's not important to you, you can get rid of it. Yeah. And you can really go in and see just what you want to see, but it's not just in the iPhone app. It's in the Apple watch app. The complication support is incredible. You can customize the complications basically to your heart's content. So for mine, I have the, the current, like, you know, I guess, um, situations like you know mine says mostly sunny and have the high and low and the current temperature and and that's a lot of data just the little corner of my watch face but you can go and really fine-tune it to have exactly what you want i i don't think of all the apps we talked about there's a better apple watch complication support than carrot weather i mean it just it's so customizable like 
air quality is a big deal for me. I have a air quality, you know, you, you, you can make it whatever you want. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- there's a lot of blowback against subscriptions and I get it. I read that in our, even in our forums, people, you know, really don't like it, but I spent a lot of time talking to developers and, and I understand the the problem with the original model was they never had a model where they made real money on apps, you know, like original Mac apps were fifty hundred dollars and, and iOS apps are a couple dollars, you know? And so what happens is the developer, if they want to eat, they make an app, they hope it's a hit, but as soon as it launches, they start thinking about the next app they can make because they don't have, they can't continue to run on your $3 for the next 20 years and make an increasingly better weather app. So the advantage of subscriptions with the, and carrot weather is a great example of this is, you know, the developer is all in with carrot weather and he just continues to march out features and ways to make the app more useful to you. And when you get kind of the critical mass that Carrot Weather does, you get a really good app that just continues to get better. I think that's exactly right. And the the speed of updates in this and the the features that have come over the la- even over the last year has really been at an incredible pace and, and one that I find like really encouraging as someone who's paying $30 a year. No, I totally agree. And that's the best thing about the subscription pricing. And, and if you're going to pay for it, that's what you can feel happy about that. You know, that the app is going to continue to, to deliver the goods and they have to earn that, you know, if they don't, we unsubscribe mm-hmm. <laughs> at least that's what I do. And um, so I think that's great. Um, so if you, if you've not considered care, whether because of the attitude, um, that is something you can turn off. If you like it, that's good too. I mean, I think you can even like set political alignment. I mean, you can go real deep down the stack with this with this application. I had it on my TV and we had some family over and somebody was making fun of me for having a weather app on my TV, but I mm-hmm. put it on and then they started pushing the button. What is it? The ocular sensor. Yeah. You know? And um, it was making snarky comments back and my whole family went all in with carrot weather. I mean, they, they were pushing that sensor for like 15 minutes. I I don't really understand how it could entertain them that long, but it did. And I think a bunch of them left the house with it installed. So, <laughs> so it definitely sells the app, but, but it, there's more to it. Like uh, they have great shortcut support as well. Yeah. I've, I've got some shortcut stuff going where I can get it to pull the forecast and, and do all sorts of things uh, really easily. And I think as far as, as notifications, it may be the most customizable that I've seen where I can really pick and choose uh, what I want. There's even options for like, if I want a lightning strike warning, you know, how many miles out do I want it? If there's so many lightning strikes within a certain number of minutes, do I, you know, at what point just send me a notification every 10 minutes instead of, you know, one every 30 seconds, like lots of flexibilities. So you can dial in just what you need. Yeah. Yeah. It's an excellent app. It's great. I, I think it's, if you don't want, this is a long episode about weather apps, I know, but the um, if you want more than the Apple weather app, I think I would start with Carrot Weather and see if it works for you or not. Agreed. Agreed. But there's more options than buying an app. Uh, you can roll your own. Yeah, absolutely. You can go outside uh, with a sock and a cup <laughs> and see if it's raining. No, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there are a couple of things. You could do if you want to detect your own weather. We talked about how Weather Underground has the ability to pull in lo- you know, local data 
to you know sh- show their forecast um there's uh, a company called uh Natatmo they have a bunch of sensors for inside and outside your home to check the weather temperature humidity air quality on and on works with HomeKit works with the Amazon voice assistant it used to work with Weather Underground. Their deal ended, and so it pipes into their own weather app, which I don't love because I would like to use Carrot Weather and like tie my own weather station ID into that. But if that's not a big deal for you and you want as hyper-local as you can get because it's in your backyard, this could be a neat way to go. And there's some other companies that do this, but their stuff looks the most polished, and they've been around for quite a while now. But then you can also go just totally bananas and pulled like Jason Snell putting a a legit weather station in your backyard. He's a blog post about it a few years ago that we'll put in the notes. Yeah. So so that's like, and and he figured a way to connect it to the internet and get it on his iPhone. Yeah, It's just like, (laughs) just like Drang who at one point wrote his own weather app, which was kind of, I think it was a glorified web page, but you know, he, he, that guy wanted accurate weather and he got it. Uh, there's other weird ways to get your weather. We, we've kind of talked about Siri, but we haven't really explicitly said how you do it. I think it works great with a HomePod. This is something that I noticed my family uses the HomePod for all the time. Um, first, you say the magical phrase, and then you say, what's the weather? Or is it going to rain this week? Or what's the weather tomorrow in Anaheim? Uh, it's pretty good at parsing that out and giving you a good summary. Um, I think it's just about the right amount of information. It's it's not the kind of information you're going to get from carrot weather. You know, you're not going to get the exact humidity level or whatever. But the, uh, but you are going to get a, an overall view of the weather. And you know, just kind of going back to the beginning of the show when we were kids and we had to wait for a half hour of news to get that same amount of information. It's pretty nice. So what about on your wrist? We've talked about all these apps and how they work with the Apple Watch. How often do you actually use um, weather on your wrist? I mean, the carrot weather complication is on my Apple Watch at all times. So yeah. every time I look at my watch, I guess I'm seeing it. Um, you know, I go into the the carrot weather app, you know, probably a couple times a day at most, especially if I'm out and about where I'm not at my computer and it's just in my menu bar. And that that's the big another big sticking point for Kara Weather is the what the watch app is so good that I want to use it. And that's definitely not true for all of them. So I would say the Apple Watch is a is a pretty big component of it. And in fact, when I don't wear my Apple Watch, if I'm wearing a traditional watch, the thing I miss the most is weather. It's not iMessage or Slack or anything. It's looking at my wrist and seeing what the temperature is. And none of my mechanical watches are or, you know non-Apple Watch watches give me that capability. Only the Apple Watch does, and it's something that I miss every time I take it off. I use it as a dock application on my Apple Watch. You know, if you hit the, not the the digital crown, but the button uh, mm-hmm. with the latest version of WatchOS, you can have some apps. And I would recommend that you folks uh, who are using Apple Watches, take a look at that. You can set them up in the Apple Watch app on your phone. And I don't need to give it a complication but it's important enough for me that I want quick access to it. So it's one one press and maybe a little scroll and a tap. It's, it's just not that much work to get to it. And uh, and the Carrot Weather app is is outstanding. It, it is really, really good. Apple TV. I uh, Like I said earlier, I have it on my Apple TV. It's close enough that I can access it when I just boot up the TV. One of the things I've been trying to do is not have the TV play for the sake of being a TV. You know, I, I it just... 
I don't need the distraction of it running all the time. Uh, so if I want to work in a room with a TV, maybe I'll put the weather app on, or maybe I'll put like a, the NASA screensaver up, look at, you know, space, but the, uh, but I, I like having the weather on the TV. It's, it's nice having it down. Like when the family's coming down in the morning, just so everybody can see it. Um, so I don't think it's by any means mandatory, but like if you had a conference room and you had a TV in their conference room, I think it would be nice to have the weather there running all day. I honestly have not checked out the Apple TV app. So I've made a note for myself to do that because that all sounds really good. Let's talk a little bit about automating weather information. This is something that is highly automatable with the most recent version of Shortcuts. And I think Shortcuts is the place to automate it. Um, There's multiple apps with extensive weather shortcut integration. Carrot and the native weather app are my two favorites. The native weather app really delivers the goods here. The data you can get out of that thing, you can get the temperature, high, low, feels like uh, temperature, you can get conditions of visibility, dew point, humidity, pressure. You can get the chance of rain and the amount of rain. And that's really important because those are two different pieces of data. Like um, I have some automation I run based on the chance of rain. And I just need to know what's the percentage chance. Uh, wind is a problem where I live because we're in the foothills. Sometimes the wind comes roaring through here. And um, I can get speed and direction, which is uh, which is great. Uh, UV index, sunrise, sunset, air quality. There's a lot of stuff you can get out of the weather app. It's not going to be up to the minute, but it's going to be good enough that you can work with it on an automation base. For instance, I have a program I run in shortcuts. I call it my daily summary. Like I run it in the morning and it just kind of tells me what's, you know, it's just like having an assistant, right? It tells me my appointments, my key tasks and the weather, but it doesn't tell me if it's going to rain unless it's going to rain. So the way I do that is I have shortcuts pull the percentage chance rain out of the weather app. And if it's over 60%, then it tells me the chance of rain. But if it's less than 60%, which is most days where I live, it doesn't tell me the rain. It's just using an if statement. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Am I getting too nerdy? No, it's good. Uh, It's good stuff. So if the chance of rain is over 60%, then tell David the chance of rain is, and then insert the percentage. And if it's less than 60%, then don't tell me anything about rain, you know, and I do the same thing with wind speed, you know, because if, uh, if the wind starts picking up, we, there are certain things we have to do at our house to make sure things don't blow away. And, uh, it's, it's great being able to pull that out and really make your own weather, um, you know, your own weather report. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, Steven, I, I thought it'd be fun to talk about things we would like in addition. I mean, weather apps have taken a long right here they they've really come a long way but i have a list of of wants (laughs) okay Uh, hit me i would like even more customizable notifications more automation of course always um not enough apps are supporting shortcuts and the apple app is great it shows the way but we need apps that have access to better databases giving us better shortcuts I would like to see um, more relevant data in the application based on location. Like, like hurricanes could and tornadoes could be a big thing when you live in places with hurricanes and tornadoes. But when you live in a place that has earthquakes, you know, why not tie into the databases like I was talking about with the MyShake app? Or where I live, um, there are certain weather conditions that lead to fire danger. You know, uh, heat, super dry. You know, certain times of year. And I don't think any of the apps really address that as well as I would like. Another one, just a pet peeve of mine, is surfing. Um, 
you know, I try to get in the ocean once in a while and I can't get a surf report in any of these apps. You have to go to a separate app and none of them really support automation. And like, I, I feel like there's more weather related stuff out there to tap into. Yeah, that, that all sounds good. You know, I think the one thing I would add, and I don't know if it's on the shoulders of these apps to do this, but it would be neat for an app to really marry somehow education and forecast data. So like, if there's a watch or a warning, like, well, what what if I don't know the difference? You know, give me some yeah. some sort of context for what you're showing me. And none of those apps that I've seen, at least, really do a good job of that. And maybe that's not a, a, a huge deal, but I think that if people want to learn more, like a weather app's a pretty good place to start because you're already there, you're already interested, you're already looking at the data. I don't know how you would do that in a UI, but I think it could be an interesting problem for someone to take on. Oh, it'd be easy. I think it's a little circle with a lowercase I in it and you just tap on it. <laughs> a little pop-up. Yeah. Because, I mean, it'd be user accessible, give them what they want. But yeah, I I am happy that the weather apps have come as far as they have. They're real powerful. Uh, you don't have to use Carrot Weather, even though we both like that one the best. There's There's others out there. We try to cover a lot of them today. And, you know, let us know. Show up in the forums for this episode. It's uh, talk.macpowerusers.com, and there'll be a forum entry just for this episode. So if we missed one, and I know there are hundreds of them out there, so I'm sure we missed one that somebody loves, let us know about it. And um, and how interesting ways you're using weather for automation would be another one I'd love to hear about. Um, I think that's something that um, the Mac Power User nerd audience probably has some pretty good ideas on. Yeah, I want to see that too, because I, I have a sort of beginning of day shortcut like like you described. That's really the only thing I'm using, but I would imagine there's a lot more people that have dug into that further that could be inspiring to check out. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, the shortcut automation, the the, tr- the trigger is the problem. An app can tell you the rain's coming in two minutes, but a shortcut can't. Right. But that being said, with the ability to say, you know, maybe like you were talking earlier, you are really concerned about sunset time. You're a photographer, videographer. I know why, right? Um, but not everybody is. So I'm concerned about air quality index, you know, depending on whether I'm going to go outside and do stuff or try and do stuff inside. And so each of us have different needs and that's the cool thing about the automation is we can make it work for us that way. All right. I think we covered weather apps on the Mac power users for a little while. Feels good. All right. Uh, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us on relay.fm slash MPU. You can access the forums over there at talk.macpowerusers.com. We'd love to have you. Uh, we will be back next week. In the meantime, thank you to our sponsors today, SaneBox, Direct Mail, Booz Allen, and Health IQ. I hope you have good weather. We'll see you next week. <laughs>